end now. Hi, everybody. My name is Rob Evans, and welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. Today, I have an amazing guest with me. Her name is Jenna Harrison. Now, Jenna is based in the US. She's a business and life coach. And what I love here is she's a reformed overanalyzer turned queen of clarity. Um, she's worked at a top fashion company overseeing well, 30 plus brands. She has her own podcast. Jenna, welcome to the show. Rob, it is such a pleasure. Thanks for having me here. I do love the technology that we can connect wherever we're located these days. Um, Janet, tell us a little bit about uh, you, what you do in your business, what's brought you to uh, you know, this stage of your, your career. Sure. So I help people really dial in their clarity around what their superpowers are, what they're actually offering, who they're offering it to, and how they want to talk about that. And it all came from this through line of clarity. So I am a person that struggled personally for two decades with clarity. I kept telling myself if I could just get clear on what I wanted to do with my life, watch out world. But yeah. I realized in hindsight that that was actually a really comfortable place for me to stay, right? Because I got all the accolades of all the people saying, oh, Jenna has so much potential. Oh, it's such a shame that she, you know, when she just gets clear, this is going to be amazing. And I never had to take any of the risk. Yeah. I never had to put myself out there, put my stake in the sand, say, this is what I stand for. And so when I finally uncovered that, that actually there was that fear of failure there that was holding me back, then all of a sudden I was able to get very clear on what I actually wanted. And this is what I've seen over and over is that when I've talked to people that are experiencing uncertainty. And so I help people really step into the next evolution of their business. And what they experience as uncertainty usually is a brain game of some sort. And that when we can pull down those walls, actually the clarity is within. Yeah, nice. Nicely done. And a, a beautiful discovery moment for you. So I, I do like moments and I'm, I'm wondering, can you remember, was there a particular moment that happened where you said, this is the clarity moment for me. This is what I need to do. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. And often I'm saying we're all in search of that elusive light bulb moment and it mm. doesn't always come that way, but I will admit there was a key moment that I absolutely remember. And I was going through a very difficult time in my life. So my husband, who's in the army here in the States, had been deployed and we were trying to conceive. So that was difficult when my husband's deployed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, wasn't, yes. I wasn't, and I wasn't getting any younger. I'd gone back to live with my parents because my dad was dying of cancer. Oh, and I had this big struggle around my identity, who I, what I really wanted to give to the world and what I wanted to do. And that felt very heavy, all of that together. Mm. And I remember having a thought where I felt like this is one trial and bit of sadness after another in life. And is it really worth it? Yes. And I was walking with my dog, who was a puppy. My husband got me a present, which was a deployment puppy. <laughs> I'm going, but it's okay if you company. Right, right. And we're walking along and it happened to be cherry blossom season in Seattle, where I was at that time. And she was sniffing on the ground. And all of a sudden she looked up at me 
and she had this cherry blossom just stuck to her nose, her little black nose. She had no idea it was there, and she just looked hilarious to me. And in that moment, I was filled with all of this joy and laughter over how sweet and funny she looked. And I realized in that moment that the only person that could make those moments be enough to outweigh the difficult moments in my life was me. Yeah. And so it was up to me to actually create the joy. And when I started, it, it doesn't seem like there's a relationship there. Like, how did she get from that to clarity? But I just started thinking about how, what if, right, there was some shift that needed to happen in my brain, some different way of seeing things that might help me see what was already there. And I remember thinking like uh, Steve Jobs had this um, uh speech that he gave at Stanford talking about how you connect the dots in the hindsight. Dots. Yes. And I said, but you know what, if you're connecting the dots, the dots were already there. You just couldn't see them. Exactly. So I got fueled and I started thinking, what if my dots are there? What mm. if my dots are already there? And I can see them now in real time and that can help inform my future. And so I started my a process that I now have called connect the dots and it was looking, it was mining for that gold in the meaning and experiences that you create in your life to show you where you're going. Yeah, that that's beautiful. Um, uh, one of the things that that I've personally found for me, same sort of clarity moments, is um, kind of becoming that master of asking yourself questions and the right sorts of questions, not like, why am I stupid? Why do I not know? <laughs> You know, why do I not have the answers? Why am I so unhappy here, et cetera, et cetera. But if you become uh, creative in asking yourself those questions, um, eventually you'll find the answer. Now, um, I don't know who's going to be listening to this today, but I'm in my moment of clarity. I can remember the, like, the moment. I, I used to be a chartered accountant and I've worked in um, your big corporates and stuff for about 19 years. And every year, like, there's only so many sideways movements you can make in a, uh, you know, mm -hmm. like a big corporation when you're only a couple of, you know, steps from the top. And when yeah. you're thinking, you know, this really isn't me and I wouldn't be doing it justice if I went up that next level and and so forth. And I used to keep asking myself, what is it that I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life? And I was thinking about all those people that you you hear about that say, I really love what I do. Yeah, I love my job. I, I really love that. And I thought, oh, gee, I wish I could have that. How do you do that? And I just yes. kept asking myself those questions, like, how do I find it? And I remember the day I was sitting in my my old um, my old training studio and I literally looked up at the light. I was sitting on the, I can remember exactly what I was doing. I was sitting on the end of the bench. I was having a breather between sets and I looked up at the light and I said, I asked myself, what am I going to do? And I looked up at the light and I'm like, what am I going to do this? Mm. And then that was the moment where I said, all right, I'm going to, go inside and I'm going to, um, you know, research what do I need to do, what sort of qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. But that was the moment and it came from um, taking control and, you know, answering that question to my, myself in a positive way. So um, you're so right. I love that story. I love that story. And I believe that we can, we can continue with that clarity all the way up through the messaging in our business, right? The offers that we create in our business, who we decide are our ideal clients. And a yeah. lot of times people move into a passive energy. They're more like, well, this is what people will pay me for. This is what people yes. want. This yes. is probably where the money is. 
But what if you could create another good question? What if you could create a successful business around whatever you wanted to create? What would that be? Yes. Well, interestingly, on that point, when I started my business, I had a very specific um, two types of clients that I wanted to work with because that's what I thought was the market. The reality Mm -hmm. was that really makes up less than 1% of my market. Yes, yes, Uh, yes. And that your people are drawn to you for a reason. There's so much resonance, conscious and subconscious, that we're discounting when we try to conform to what we think the market wants of us. Yes, absolutely. So Jenna, I have an interesting question for you here. Um, I want you to think back, say back 2019, or maybe it's 2018, but in other words, pre-COVID, you know, we haven't heard of it before, apart from SARS and all that sort of stuff, but um, yeah, Mm -hmm. we don't know it's coming, et cetera, et cetera. What would you say was the biggest challenges that were facing the people that you work with? Back then? Yeah, back then. Um, Very similar to now. Okay. Well, that's destroyed my next question. Oh, no, really? Okay. (laughs) And how it's maybe changed because I I certainly feel that there's like globally, there's a different, like here, you know, I know it's the same in the US, but the the rising interest rates, the changing economy, that uncertainty and stuff, it's kind of triggered people Mm -hmm. differently, I think, to to three years Mm -hmm. ago. Yeah, yeah. Give me your perspective. So, yeah. So now it's amplified. So what was going on back then was that there were people who realized, much like you, when you were in accounting and you said, this isn't quite it, Mm. that are saying this isn't quite it, right? I know that it's not quite aligned or whatever language you want to use, right? I haven't dialed it in. And they're wanting that deeper self-expression. So for instance, my clients, and for instance, you, you could go to corporate, you could earn money. It's really not about the money. It's how am I going to create this thing in the world where I actually leave my mark? And what do I even want that to be? And then how would, who would those clients be? So now after COVID, there's been an explosion in people thinking like that, that I think, I think that before my clients, they were kind of the anomaly, right? And then now it's such a more accepted and uh, normal way of, of thinking with the great recession. Now, everybody's thinking that way. Do I really want to be doing this? What do I really want to be devoting my life to? Do you think there's an element of, uh, oh, what's the word? The preciousness of life, I suppose, the uncertainty. Screw it. I'm just going to do it now. Yeah. I think that, I think I've heard from people that when COVID hit, they really did a reassessment about mm. where they wanted their priorities to be yeah, and what they wanted to devote their time to. One of the interesting things that I, I've noticed in because most of the, the work that I'm doing with people is around the, the health and fitness of them and then how it impacts their business and uh, high performance and so forth. Prior to the pandemic, and uh, I guess keep in mind that, so I, I come, I live in Melbourne, right? We were the most locked down city in the world, like about 300 days. It was ridiculous. Six different lockdowns. It was nuts. Wow. Um, people before it were coming in to say to me, oh, yeah, I want to lose weight, uh, you know, this is why, et cetera, et cetera. Now people come in and they say, I want to improve my health. And so it's a real shift. And like weight loss where it was, say, mentioned as number one before, it's now probably number three. Mm. And it's about health, it's about sustainability. And I think all of everything that's gone on has just changed people's thinking about 
um, the preciousness of um, their health, uh, life. Um, like here, most people got, oh, it's probably a global trend really, but in Australia and the US are pretty similar with our overweight and obesity rates, but um, you know, people became less uh, able to move or less inclined to move, eating more food and drinking more. And I think they're, they're now uh, realizing that, well, actually I need to put my health as a big focus, which is really good because it's the weight loss doesn't last. It's the, you know, focusing differently, changing that lens. Mm-hmm. And living their best life. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes. I can see that. That makes so much sense. So let me twist my question. I was going to say, so what are they facing now um, to, uh-huh. uh, to, to put it on you? What would you say are your biggest challenges that you're, you're facing now, like right now? So I would say my reoccurring one has always been time management and really divorcing myself from the idea that time creates my results and that doing more creates my results. And so I've been working on that for a couple of years, very intensively with, Mm -hmm. with my coaches and with mentors, because I've seen the evidence of it and still on kind of a nervous system level, my body always leans in to doing more doing more. And so stepping back from that, obviously, as a woman who owns a multiple six figure business and has a five year old son and has a life right there, there are things going on. But really, my mindset around it amplifies that and makes it so much more overwhelming and egregious when I'm in the state of this is a lot, as opposed to I'm going to fill the hours in the day, right, with something. something who I really want to fill them and what will be highest value for myself, my clients, my family. Yes. I'll tell you something, Jenna, that I just tried yesterday and um, I'll tell you the why it really pushed me is my mm. coach, he wanted me to work a four-hour day uh-huh. and basically cram the things that you needed to do in that four hours. And my challenge is, so it was on a Thursday. I did it yesterday for the first time. And Thursday's yeah. the first, I, I share my kids with um, their mum. And Thursday's the first day of the week where I don't have them. So that's mm-hmm. a day when I would normally work at least 12 hours. Yeah. Right. And so to take eight hours away from them. Um, so, and it started early. It was like 5.30 in the morning was my start till, till 9.30. And the focus that it created. Now, I guess... Fortunately, unfortunately, I, I had, it wasn't like I had four hours of time to say, right, Rob, let's what we're going to do. Because I had clients in there and I had about, I think about an hour in the four hours to get those things done. But what was interesting was I, I finished the work and I went to get changed and I was sweating, you know, like I'm, I'm not a big <laughs> person, but I'm too much information, but under the armpits, I thought, why is that? It's like, so I had put all this pressure on myself to get the things done and I, I got it done. Mm. and now could I have done everything because I, I so what it did I left my desk I shut my computer off and I said right fight the urge to now go pick up your iPad and go do something else and yeah. I just did other things for the for the rest of the the day and I thought okay um, I'm going to see is this something that like today like obviously it's early here uh, my time I feel very refreshed um, because that's the thing, isn't it? You can just stay at your desk and you just keep doing things over and over and over and you're just kind of like, oh, oh, the head's getting closer and closer to the desk because you're running out of the focus and energy. Um, so I challenge you to maybe try that one in your day. Uh, don't do it on a Monday though. You've got to do it like midweek or 
a little bit later and just see is it something that you can put into your schedule and the re- the rule is for the rest of the day you have to focus on you or mm-hmm. you know spending time with your partner you know or your kids something like that right i have done a 15 hour work week but i I've, I've spread yeah, it okay. out like that but yeah 4 hour days and it is that is true it's the call to go back to it afterwards and the discipline to say no brain we're creating new wiring here yes. it's going to be yeah so i'm curious to see whether there's some uh yeah in the following days that maybe there's less burnout or whatever i think it's an interesting interesting process for sure higher creativity right because maybe you know the experience of sitting trying to create an email or something and it's taking hours versus you go on a walk you get the hit and then you write it minutes that's right that's right yes um so jenna you mentioned that uh, your husband being in the military and i know you've got um yeah you've had a lot of experience um with the the military and obviously the show's called mental toughness and the perception that you know we have of the military really by virtue of hollywood i suppose than than nothing else um, could you tell us a little bit uh about you know what you've done there and your um you know maybe i'll ask some questions from when you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it is. it has been very fascinating to marry into the military, having worked on personal development for myself personally, and mm. then coming into it right then and just sitting back and watching and being like, hmm. He's still in the military? What's going on here? Sorry? Is he still in the military? Yes. Yes, a lot yes. active duty? Still active duty. All oh, right. Yes. Okay. Is he home yeah. at the moment? He is home right. at the moment which is nice. Nice and safe, yes. But it has been fascinating to watch and to learn because I do have my certificate in leader development from the U.S. Army War College, which is their graduate school where they're teaching their leadership process. And so I have, I just did dive into it because I just found it fascinating how you can take an inner city youth that has very low self-concept and has not had a lot of privileges, advantages in their life, And you can take them and put them through training and somehow they come out the other side, a U.S. soldier. Yes. And they are a completely different person on so many levels. And I'm like, how does that happen? How is that happening? I found it absolutely fascinating. So, yes, I did. I have taken advantage of every kind of course or study that I could do within the military, being a spouse. And um, then afterwards. Is that, sorry to interrupt, is that how you got access to it, was it? Because, right, okay. And is that to, is that to then, um, like is the the strategy to then get you into the armed forces as well? Or is it just to give, to help you with your understanding and support and so forth? Yeah, so actually it's interesting because the role of the spouses of the senior leaders are actually, that role is taken very seriously within the military. So the traditional role of that person. My mother was in the military as well, and she pretty much had a full-time job just being the the spouse. And you are watching over the families, right? You're creating programs that'll help them deal with issues when they're, um, you know, when their partners are deployed, as they're raising their children, as they're moving to different foreign countries and having to deal with culture shock and all of the things going on, the more that the the military can create a a good foundational family the more supported the soldier will be to be able to stay in the armed forces and do what he, she needs to do. 
Yeah. So they really want to bring us in if possible. Of course, it's all voluntary and a lot of people have their own careers and aren't interested, but they want to give us as much training in facilitating that process in supporting not just uh, the leaders or our leader, our, our spouse, but also the other leaders within any battalion or brigade as well to um, basically with mindset. We didn't call it that at the time right? But to help them perform at their best level. And I was very happy to sign on for all of that because I found it fascinating. And um, through learning about that, what I've really seen is that there are two things going on, I think, with the military. And one is that they establish a new identity. And it helped me see just how important our identity is in every decision we make, everything we act. And so that is the strongest, I believe, strongest long-term driver of motivation, right? You can have someone whip you into shape and that's the stereotype of the boot camp sergeant yeah. who's get on the ground. That'll work for a little bit, but you and I know that won't last forever. Yes, but when right. you make it part of your identity, that is gold. And that is why organizations like the U.S. Marines are so successful. It's because it becomes a part of you. You are a U.S. Marine. You are a U.S. soldier. And that changes the game. And the other thing I've found so fascinating is expectations. So the reason that they can perform so well on the battlefield, for instance, is they are expecting to be shot at. Yes. Right. They train for it and it doesn't surprise them. And they can come home with a level of resoluteness about that that w would make us civilians right we would be in such shock over it yes. what doesn't go well is when there's missed expectations and i think that happens in our lives too so those soldiers will come back and you know something will happen with a a co-worker um disparaging them or their partner leaving them or something and they can absolutely crumble over yes. that because they weren't expecting it so I yeah. think mental toughness has so much to do with our preparation and expectation. I don't know what you think about that. Yes. Um, I mean, uh, this show came out of the start of COVID. Mm. Um, so I thought, you know, there were there were so many people capitulating, I suppose, here, like life is over and blah, 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 mm. blah. Um, so I, start, I started this show and, um, you know, I, each day I don't just say, you've got to be tough, you know, you've got to be mentally <laughs> tough. But... Um, so our mindset is so powerful in controlling what it is that we do every single day, like your point of clarity that you you talked about uh, earlier. Uh, but I I also do think that people, if you think in terms of mental toughness, people don't push themselves hard enough to you know push beyond the pain. I mean, we teach our kids when they're young, as soon as there's something wrong and they're in pain, we want to take the pain away from them. But um, you and I both know as adults that it's only through experiencing that pain and going through the pain that you get the growth and then yeah. you become stronger and you become, it's like going to the gym, you know, you, you don't do one bicep curl and you put it down and say, right, I'm done that forever. I don't have to do that again. You've got to right. do it each time and you've got to hurt yourself every time you go into the gym, which sounds silly, but that's what you have to do. And emotionally, we have to do that to ourselves as well so that we can do it in a, a conscious way that empowers us and grows us rather than just, you know, beats us down and we say, oh, I'm just, I'm just worthless. And I guess with the military, it's interesting. I know that uh, like the military, uh, the view in the US, it's very different, like culturally, just to here in Australia, we don't obviously don't have the, you've got 10 times the population, 
Um, and there's a lot more pressure on the US because of your size to save the world. So, you know, that requires a lot more investment and, and people and so forth. But um, I guess with the with the military, it's so intense. I have no idea how your husband does what he does and can come back to a normal functional life. And of course, there's plenty of stories where people aren't able to do that. Do you see, I'm not sure how, well, obviously, if your mum was in the military as well, is there a shift in the way that uh, I suppose we help with the military, the the soldiers, their, their mindset, so that it's not just like it's boot camp stuff all the time if they're not understanding how the person operates and stuff. And I get that there's got to be rules and it's like, okay, you got to make your bed, you got to get your uniform right, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, just what's your perspective? Oh yeah, there's been a huge, huge shift in the last 10 years. And it's it's really self-preservation for the army. They were just seeing too much attrition. They were seeing yeah. too many people leave because it was getting to be too tough on themselves and the families. And they knew that they had to they had to make a change. So they actually worked with some of the top people from um, the University of Pennsylvania and other top behavioral psychologists to really work on this idea of what does create resilience mm. for people? And then how can we disseminate that and teach everybody and train everybody? So everybody does go to resilience training and it is about so much more than just performing the whatever function you need to perform in your role. It goes into really your complete lifestyle, spiritual beliefs, your family, creating those strong bonds at home and creating um, rest for yourself. So they started instituting days where when people are back home that they would leave early and it was called family time. And it was, right. this is your time to rest and be with your family and not be at work and not create that same op tempo, operational tempo that they do when you're gearing up to deploy, for instance, or coming back. And that yes. was a huge, huge shift. Yes. So just to put it into context for me, because I don't really have an understanding, um, do uh, like for, for you and your husband, do you live in an area where like there's like there's soldiers everywhere? Is it a community? Is it is that mm. how it works? Yeah, so we have. Right now we're actually at the war college, which is it feels okay. like being at a small Ivy League school or something. Everybody okay. wears civilian tends to wear civilian clothes and it's all upper level. You know, older people, there aren't the 19-year-old soldiers as much right. wandering around. But okay. yeah, and typically you, in the and, past, it was everything you'd expect. It was tanks or it was soldiers right, and okay. saluting and the whole thing. We didn't always live on base, but whenever my husband moved into a command role, then we did move on base. So when they come back from a deployment, is it like it's not like okay, you're on a month's leave or something. You're just coming back to effectively, oh, I don't know. I'll just make it simple and say, well, you're coming back to an office and you you're doing that sort of work for a bit, and then you you go back into a normal life. You see your family each day and and that type of stuff. Is that how? It yes, yes. Not necessarily in an office per se, and it also depends if they're bringing equipment back with them. Right. Yes. What kind of process has to happen before they can take, you know, ease off for a little bit. But then, you know, very quickly, they're ramping back up again to prepare for deployment. Oh, and they're yeah. going through all the drills and all the training again to create that. Yes. That level of excellence that they want. And so it, when they come back, is there a, 
um, I guess some people could come back a little bit broken and you want to fix them before they go, they go back again. So is there a focus on, I suppose, some, some red flags that happen when people are deployed and when they come back that look, Rob, he needs some, you know, some extra time here. Absolutely. Yeah. There's a huge focus on, on mental health and suicide prevention and getting soldiers the support that they need that of course didn't happen in the Vietnam era, for instance. And we've learned a lot of lessons from that. Yeah. 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 Well, that's good. That's good. Good to hear because you can have a different perception, I suppose, and not knowing anything about it. I'm, I'm pleased that that um, that's happening because they play such an important role that pretty much no one can relate to unless you've been there and you can only see it in movies and think, Oh yeah. Okay. But yeah. if you actually see some of these things and have to do some of these things or, or I don't know. So um, good on your husband for, for helping keep us all safe. Thank you. And, and the role that, the, that, that you're playing as well. Um, I had a couple more questions for you. Um, the biggest regret you've ever had and what you learned from it. Oh my something, goodness. Something, something you're comfortable yeah. to share, obviously. <laughs> the biggest regret. Hmm. Well, I think it made me who I am, but I do regret not getting support earlier with my with my clarity journey. I really believed that it's something, you know, people would say it's just something you have to figure out for yourself. You just have to go sit on a mountaintop or something and wait for the divine download. And I know that I heard that then because that's what I believed. That's what I believed. And so that's what was reflected back to me. But it was absolutely untrue. You can absolutely get support. To I always say even a, a brain surgeon can't do surgery on herself, right? And just to have the objectivity of somebody that can help draw that out, that is a regret. I, I wish that I could shave off a decade. Uh, yeah. that journey at least yeah 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 i can i can see i think the uh the beauty of coaches or you know mentors whatever you call them um are so invaluable to your success in life if you've you've got a, my my uh, rule is this find the best person in the world that does this uh, mm -hmm. find the one that you can afford somebody that has uh achieved uh, multiple times the success that you want to achieve and listen to them and do it consistently yeah, yeah. And someone that you really resonate with so that it sinks in because yeah. I could also find those people, but the way they talk, I wouldn't, yeah. my brain like, wouldn't what? process it. Yes. Yeah, you need to hear it from that person that says it in the way that, that just sits with you. Yes, yeah, well said. Uh, what would, now you can't use your child as this example. Um, your greatest <laughs> success, what would you say is your greatest success? My greatest success is disrupting generational paradigms in that I am the first person, not just the first woman in my lineage, but the highest earner in my lineage. Nice. Yes. And so that is um, not a place that I was, you know, I wasn't, I, my mother was a homemaker and before her, before her, many generations of women under earning. And yeah. there's so much that is, you know, for us to, we're taught to be humble. I mean, so all of us are, right? There's these general things that we have to overcome to step into entrepreneurship, but also high earning entrepreneurship. Yes. And I consider that a huge success because when we do that, we're going against thousands of years of wiring in our brain 
And mm. we're just doing it from our own visionary, like inner visionary that's yeah. leading us forth into something we almost can't even believe. And we're doing it anyway. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, so do you work with, I know you do a lot of work with women. Do you work with men as well? I do have some one-to-one clients that are men, but I mostly work with women so that we can tap into these things I was just talking about, about how difficult it is for us to be seen, to claim ownership, to be braggy, right? To sell ourselves, all of those deep issues that when we can clear that out, we're able to step into that to that clarity and really just speaking about who our people are and what exactly we bring to them and the value in such a deeper way. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Jenna, I can't believe how quickly our time has gone here today. Um, I know it's that- It's fun talking. Sorry? What was that? It's been fun talking, time yeah, it flies. Has. It has, we could keep talking for ages. Maybe I'll get you on the, the show again for another episode. We can dig a little deeper in some other corners. Uh, so you, you've got um, yeah a beautiful gift to, to give everybody today. So did you want to tell everybody about how they can access that? Absolutely. Yes. I have an audio meditation that you can download and it is meant to help your subconscious start to unearth any bits of clarity that you have within. So anything where you're feeling like you're holding back, you're feeling uncertain, you're not sure about your next evolution, there's some nudge inside you, but you don't know what it's exactly leading to, this can help with that. So I recommend that you download it and listen to it once a, you know in the evening for at least 15 days and just let it start to work its subconscious magic. So you can get that at theuncommonway.com, which is my website, and then podcast gift meditation with hyphens, podcast hyphen gift hyphen meditation. Fabulous. So what we'll do is I'll put this that the link to that um, below the this uh, podcast so that people can just, you know, one click in and access that. And um, so you mentioned the uncommon way there. Is that the, obviously you're on the social media channels, is uh, going to your website the best way for people to get in touch with you if they'd like to do some work with you? Yes, you can find me at the website, The Uncommon Way. Also, all the social media handles are at The Uncommon Way. And my podcast is The Uncommon Way Business and Life Coaching Podcast. So very easy to find me. That's right. Yes. Nice and consistent. And I'm assuming yeah. you work with people globally, not just in, in the US. I have clients all the way from Singapore to Portugal. Yeah, sweet. Do you have any in Australia? I do not. Well, let's see if we can change that for nice. you. Yeah. Um, Jenna, thanks so much for today. It's, it's lovely being getting to to know you and hear your journey and the people that you're working with. Um, keep up the good work. And um, yeah, let's audience. Thanks, Jenna, for uh, attending today and answering all our questions. Thank you, Rob.